The Brooklyn Vegan Show is a podcast about music brought to you by the music blog and online record store Brooklyn Vegan. Make sure to subscribe to hear all of our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with musicians and more, and find us 24-7 at brooklynvegan.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, welcome to the new episode of The Brooklyn Vegan Show. I'm BV editor Andrew Sacker, and today's episode is an interview with Rich Balling. Rich is the founder of the experimental post-hardcore supergroup The Sound of Animals Fighting. He's a former member of RX Bandits. He's the artist behind Pyramids, Sailors with Wax Wings, White Moth. His new project, Hospital Gown, who just released their new record, Diamond Life 2, on Born Losers Records. And he's the founder of the now-defunct record label, Handmade Birds. The Sound of Animals Fighting are about to release their first EP in 14 years, Ape Shit, on December 8th via Born Losers Records. And it's a great EP. There are moments that sound like a return to form. It's also a culmination of really everything they've done thus far and a step forward. I highly recommend it. You should check it out. It was very cool to talk to Rich about it. We also talk about the Hospital Gown record, which, like many of Rich's projects, is full of unique collaborations. Rich is really just as much of a curator as he is a songwriter. And this album shows that with collaborations between screamo vocalists and hyper pop artists and rappers, it's, it's all over the place in a very cool, unique way and really, really out there, crazy, awesome stuff. Also throughout our conversation, we talk about how playing Taylor Swift's Red in the car for his daughters led to Rich's love of pop music. We talk about dealing with negative comments on the internet. And we talk about how Equal Vision had to destroy copies of The Sound of Animals Fighting second record, Lover the Lord Has Left Us, due to an unclear neurosis sample. Rich is an outspoken person with a lot to say, and this was a very, very cool, enlightening, fun conversation. And here it is. I appreciate this opportunity, man. And I appreciate you specifically. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, like... I mean, you've kept it real for like a solid, I don't even know, decade of support, dude. Every now and then there will be a post where you include the band on a list and I'm like, oh, somebody remembers and it's always you. (laughs) Well, I'm more than, I mean, I'm a big fan. It's my pleasure to support. Um, Yeah. I thank you for the kind words. Cool. And also, if I may, just Brooklyn vegan in general, um, I and I'll, I won't get on my soapbox right now, but like how inclusive you guys are of so many different projects and like so many other media outlets that I used to enjoy reading have become carbon copies of of one another. So I still enjoy reading them, but what's sad is I can turn to any of them for the same content. Whereas y'all, I mean, I saw a post today on a ska man. I'm like, dude, like you just, you guys just go hard. You're still supporting music. And there's not this like predictable, I could write you a list of five artists right now, which will be for sure the next to be featured in and I won't mention names, but you know who they are uh, in the next month. And sometimes they're printing these features on the same day, which is like, dude, it's like when bugs 
Bugs Life and Ants came out in like the same month back in the day. And I was like, dude, someone somewhere had a conversation between studios because how in the world would they have put those movies out uh, so coincidentally? But anyway, Brooklyn Vegan keeps it real. Y'all are in the trenches. You're the real ones. You're like supporting all music. And I appreciate that. And you're unpredictable. Like I never know what I'm going to see when I open it up. Whereas these other places, it's like, I can tell you what next week's headlines will be for sure. You know? So. Well, thank you, Rich. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that is super, super kind. And honestly, right back at you, because I was listening to the new Hospital Gown album this morning. And I mean, it's got like hyper pop, screamo, rap, like the the music that you write is everything you were just talking about. It's like, it's totally unpredictable all across the board. Nothing seems off limits. Nothing is uncool. Nothing is too obscure. Nothing is too popular. Um, Yeah. And I feel pushback from like, not this project in particular, but just from the world towards artists that are trying to do whatever and not care about what's cool which is where Brooklyn Vegan sits so nicely is you guys are not trying to be cool. You're just cool. If we were trying to be cool, you wouldn't have read a post about a ska band. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Like I'm literally excited about going and tracking down that band stuff. Catbite. Yeah, Catbite. You should yeah. definitely check them out if you haven't. For listened. sure. I mean, you, you have ska history, right? I mean, you were in Bandits. Yeah. Bandits. Yeah. Uh-huh, for uh, sure. Do, do you, Especially... Uh, Back in the day, like, I mean, I was just, just turned 18, I think, when I joined the band. And so the very first release, Those Damn Bandits, was straight up Scott of the core. Growing up, you know, within the bubble of Real Big Fish and all those bands, no doubt, say Ferris, Meal Ticket. It was just like, it it's what was happening. And I often wonder, of all the genres ever in history of music, if that's the genre that will never make a comeback or successfully make a comeback because the world seems so melancholy at once at at once i feel like it's kind of ready for some some light you know and melody and then on the other hand i'm like i just can't see some kids getting into it but it, like i hope it comes you know, back. I know there's a lot of bands out there, you know, grinding. The interrupters come to mind. Like I, it's just I admire them simply out of like the shock that they've broken through this barrier. I don't know if they just have an allegiance of people willing to vouch for them or what, but like they're getting spots on festivals and tours that are so awesome. The music's great. You know what they're doing is great. It's just crazy to me that they've been able to get people to say. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so. no. I, I was I was shocked in like 2018 when the interrupters She's Kerosene was like an actual radio hit actually yeah. on the charts. Because yeah. I was like, I had known, that was their third record and I had known that band, but I was like, okay, this band purely exists for old heads who miss 90s ska. Like that's sure. it. Like, sure. And then they've got a hit and I'm like, wait, like how? Yeah. <laughs> um, and the song is great. Yeah. And uh, and they're a great band. And I would say to, uh, you know, you talked about, is it possible? I think there's a Scott comeback right now. Um, I mean, I, hope band- so. I know that the numbers are growing. Yeah. And another 
Dude, another Brooklyn Vegan connection. It was your post about the podcast and folly that got me digging around in that because I had never dug around in that and they've been around for a minute. So, um, but yeah, I'm surprised and, and, and you never crossed with folly. Yeah, no, like I, you know, back in the day it was like catch 22 and you know, that whole crew, even suicide machines. But, um, I, I don't personally in my time with the band ever think I crossed paths with them. Um, but yeah, the interrupters are on acoustic Christmas this year, the K rock acoustic. I mean, that's like, that's huge. I mean, you, there's only a small list of bands that, that do that. So that's cool. But yeah. Um, but just, you know, real quick, uh, you know, yeah. cat bite, uh, they're on a record label called bad time records. Uh, if okay. you're curious about new Scott, check out everything on that label that there it's this DIY label run by one person. He plays in a band called kill Lincoln. And oh, it's just like, yeah. And he's basically rounded up like all the awesome underground DIY ska bands in America and also outside of America. They have a band from Brazil. They do stuff in Japan. Um, it's, it's basically like running the current scene and they're definitely attracting, I think a new generation of kids who don't have that stigma, like don't know that they're supposed to hate ska. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, it's really cool. It's been a really great thing. Yeah, it's there is a weird ska shame. Unlike I, I haven't seen it with any other genre ever, and so that's why I'm just, I'm not, you know, I'm, I can see how everything else is cyclical, but I've always been kind of skeptical or or wondering. But I'm still hopeful. Let's let's do it. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you know, like again, like you have roots in ska. I feel like even if you don't play it anymore having played it, like it gives you this, um, like it helps you approach music in a way, I think where like, you're like, well, I've already done the least cool thing. Right. Oh, that's so, how can I, how can I mess it up from here? Um, yeah. and I, I, mean, I never thought of that. I, I mean, it, I, it's not something I think about actively. I just kind yeah. of trying to connect the dots between Scott and then this hospital gown record. Um, yeah. which, you know, I mean, like, cause I did, I have to, I have to ask, I did wonder, you know, coming from sort of this more underground heavy music background, I feel like this out, you've been a fan of mainstream pop for a while, but this record, I feel like really announces that, um, like, sure. do, uh, what, what, uh, what, what draws you to pop music and what would you say to somebody who maybe turns their nose up at pop music? Yeah. So I guess two things, number one. I still think this is happening to some degree, but around the time that I really started uh, getting deep into pop, specifically the female pop artists, um, it seemed to me like that's where the innovation was coming from. Like the satisfaction of like sonic innovation and stuff that I would hear in certain heavier bands or punk bands or, you know, whatever. I, whatever stage of my life, you know, when you first hear the refused and you're like, Oh crap, you know, look what they're integrating, you know, and how, look at how that sounds and, and everything. I was starting to hear those sorts of ideas in, you know, Charlie XCX when she linked up with the PC music crew, you know, and like with Icona pop and even like Ariana Grande, the key changes, the, 
the melodies, like everything. It just felt so fresh to me. And I was like, man, these guys are just, or girls are just handling it. Um, and so that attracted me. But then the other thing is like somewhat like depressingly um, humorous, I guess. Like I'm 44 and I have two daughters. And I think all of this really started when, you know, your kids are young. And so you're looking for something to play. And during my time as a dad doing that, when they were younger, it was Taylor Swift's Red Album. And I played it so much in the car that I developed a taste for it. <laughs> and so that led to Ellie Golding, and then that led to this and that, that you know. And so um, as a midlife crisis survivalist, because I'm still in it, um, it's bringing an element of like joy and fun and like, I don't know, melody to my life. And so after so many years of noise music and black metal and everything else, it's just like a refreshing place to be. And, you know, for someone who's in that spot of, am I, am I too old to do this, but am I too young to do this? Like trying to figure out where I fit in life. Um, it's like a refreshing sort of youthful fun that it brings me. So, um, there you have it. You know, there's like the sonic innovators for a long time where, you know, Ash Nico and these, I mean, they're just killing it with their ideas and Slater and everybody. And it's just, and then coupled with my midlife crisis and needing just like fun in my life. Um, I think that's where it comes from because it really is an obsession. Now, did you ever have a point in your younger years where you sort of hated pop music? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. To touch on your point about turning the nose up and whatnot. Yeah, I think so. Like uh, one of my earliest memories of music was very pro pop in elementary school. I had uh, the, I had Paula Abdul's first album on cassette and another kid in my class had the new kids on the block hanging tough cassette. And I traded my Paula Abdul cassette for that kid's new kids on the block cassette because that's like I was into, you know, the top 50, the Casey Kasem on the weekends, that kind of stuff. So I liked pop music then. And then, yeah, it it became like, oh, you know, can't like anything mainstream, can't like anything mass, you know, with mass appeal. So uh, I did my share of that. Um, but was never like aggressively hateful, you know, just sort of lost interest. Um, but now I'm back. Yeah, I yeah. forget where I read this, um, but I think somebody said the trajectory of most music nerds is when you're super young, you like pop. Then you hit an age where you're like, no, I hate pop. I like all this underground music. And then you go back around. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I do like pop also. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. One of my another early memory was was not so much pop, but just like NWA and Easy E's Easy Does It. I would have I had a Walkman and again cassettes, and I would walk around the local park listening to Easy E, and I thought I was so hard. <laughs> it was really fun, um, but anyway. 
So let's talk a little bit about this hospital gown record. So sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got you have guests from across screamo, hyperpop, rap, all across the board, and also different generations of artists, like not just different genres. Um, so tell me about putting together this cast of like all these different people on this one record. Yeah, well, the the more I think about this and just like my process in general, the more I realize that just the whole nature of curating a collaboration goes all the way back, like throughout my whatever career, for lack of a better word. But like, I'm thinking of specifically like the first version of RX Band, it's halfway between here and there. There's like a guest verse from Linus from size 13. Were they size 13 or size 14? <laughs> it was a power pop band. And then we had Jimmy Pop from uh, Bloodhound Gang do like a little comedy bit as like an extra track. And then there was the Revolution on Canvas poetry series, which was contributions from everybody. And then Pyramids and Sailors with Wax Wings and all these bands. Like I realized that what I'm obsessed with is I love music so much. It's such a biological, visceral connection that I have that I want to actually be like enveloped by it. And so, you know, those songs that you take the long way home because you want to hear the whole song finish out before you pull up. Um, you know, I love that so much. It's like that piece of bubble gum that tastes so good. You want to swallow it, but you know that you can't. And so, um, I just like, I seek to curate and collaborate and be part of a legacy of these people that have brought me so much joy and like spiritual connection. So first I start with like, what do I want this to sound like? And in this case, it was like, you know, I was really into a lot of underground pop artists and I have always maintained this love for screamo music, like the scrams bands, the early screamo and everything else. Um, at one point in this project, interesting fact, I was trying to build like a Mount Rushmore <laughs> of screamo, uh, guests because we had, uh, Chris from page 99s on the record and Seth from funeral diners on the record. But I reached out to Sasha. I reached out to the feeder. I mean, there's like, I reached out to <laughs> almost anybody you could think of. Um, and some were, you know, had moved on. They're doing different professions now or some, you know, so, but regardless, um, I just, I'm so passionate about it. I have this checklist in my mind of like, I want to work with them. I want to work with them. I want to work with them. And so that's how this developed. And, uh, when I think of like pop music, I'm like, oh my gosh, Cray Sean is like at the top of my list. I want to work with her. And not everybody I reach out to is down. Um, and then the other thing that I notice is, and this isn't part of your question, but it's sort of interesting, worth mentioning. It's like, because you did mention sort of, uh, the, um, the, uh, traversing, uh, generations of, of artists. And what I notice is, is like a lot of the younger artists I collaborate on this with, like, I'm not sure I want to be friends with <laughs> like the, the communication is uh questionable, passive aggressive behavior. It's very protective of, of brands. And 
Oh, am I going to follow you or am I going to, you know, like, it's like, dude, if I sang on your record, Andrew, I would probably like follow you to figure out what you're up to follow the project. You know, that's not the case um, with someone, but then the older generation of artists totally like cordial communications on point. Uh, everything's very like reciprocal and there's a gratitude. Um, so that's interesting to me. And I, I don't take the former personally because what I've noticed is it truly is just like a different way of existing and it's, and it's not personal. And like, I notice it in my own kids as they get older and as I become more and more a dad, (laughs) um, like there's just, there is a difference. Like I never thought I would feel disconnected to like what's cool in pop culture, but it's like you wake up one day around 40 and you're like, dude, I don't know what's going on anymore. Like I literally yesterday knew what was going on and I don't know if I understand it anymore. So what I'm trying to reconcile right now in my life is how to be okay with that. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos late late at night about ego death and like letting the ego die uh, and becoming, you know, sort of one with the universe and realizing it's it's not all about you. But you know, when you're coming up and you're younger, it's like you're in the survival of the fittest mode. You might not even know it. And so your your resilience is like to push you up, push you up, push you up. And now I just got to be okay with like, sipping coffee in the backyard and looking at the garden and just like understanding that that's a blessing, you know, <laughs> like, so it's really, but it's, it's a terrible curse. Um, you know, the, the ska thing you mentioned earlier, you know, and I'm all over the place, but this is sort of a relevant narrative. Like I started playing trombone in fourth grade and played all through high school and by the luck of the draw, I answered a classified ad for the RX Bandits who needed a trombone player. And so the band nerd guy in me was all of a sudden able to play and tour and do things in a whole different sphere that was far cooler. And that, those performing in clubs all over the nation, uh, really, it's kind of like a drug. Like I've not been able to shake it since then like i'm always chasing the next project or the next and it's like i'm kind of a it's like a blessing and a curse and so that makes the ego death harder because you're always like there's this drive to experience what you once did <laughs> you know mm-hmm. well i want to matter i want to matter andrew <laughs> Well, I want to live, leave my mark on the world, dude. To your credit, though, I mean, I think this record, you would not, nobody would call you out of touch. I mean, I, I was, um, I'm like, damn, when you look at all the people on this record, I'm like, this is made by somebody who knows exactly what's going on right now. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you noticing that. Um, and and yeah, I, th- I think that like, I've become increasingly out of touch in terms of how to navigate TikTok, for instance, but like my taste in music because music is so deep and it is like an affair. It's like an addiction. 
I am always probably till I die going to be searching for cool artists to check out and things like that. So um, that would be what I credit that to. Yeah. And um, just as far as like, you know, you're talking about your history of curation, which, yeah, I mean, it's really been a, a huge theme, I think, in most of your projects. Um, I think what's really cool about this record, too, is like it's got these like dream collabs that like I, I wouldn't have even thought to wonder. Like, I mean, you have like Crayashan and Judy from Record Setter on the same song. I know. <laughs> see, see that now. See, this is why I love you and why I love Bro- Brooklyn Vegan because you'll understand why that's cool. But like, I think there's some people that participated in the record even that don't even understand why that's cool. And so, thank you for that <laughs> because yes, that's exactly uh, that's and part of it's because there are so many disparate genres represented that some of the artists on the record don't even know who the other artists even are. So they, if you're not looking at it through a comprehensive lens, which you, you have, especially because of the line of business you're in, but you're, you know, you understand all genres, like you'll see why that's cool, you know? So for sure. Yeah. And that's like my like favorite kind of thing. Like, I I mean, I feel like if you're a Crayashan fan, there's a very good chance you might hear the screaming come in and be like, I don't know about this. If you're a record setter fan, you might be like, <laughs> I do not listen to Crayashan. Like, are you kidding? Like, um, but for the the few people who exist who are like, wait a minute, this is exactly. great. Like, it's such a treat to those people. Cause you know, that's yeah, like, I, I think that's I when the really that. interesting stuff happens is when you, when it's like, well, it's too pop for the, for the weird kids and too weird for the pop kids. And then it just falls right in the middle and it's, always love that kind of stuff yeah for sure like um and i i won't be too sloppy in my self-promotion or whatever but i was just this just makes me think like because i have so few uh, opportunities to share these thoughts like you know in 2010 i released two records on the same day sailors with wax wings and the white moth record Okay, both of them were insane collaborations and both records died almost immediately so like on the sailors record you have Vern from unwound on bass r.i.p um you've got hilder from iceland who scored the joker film and was the first female to win like best score playing cello on the record with marissa nadler jonas from catatonia i mean like the list goes on and on and on um and then the White Moth record, you have Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot, Shelby from Frotus, Lydia Lunch, all on the same record. And nobody knows about those records. <laughs> nobody cares about those records. And so, but here's the thing is I go to bed at night feeling satisfied that I was able to collaborate with those people. But my God, if there's a secret to letting like the world hear things, please let me know (laughs) because uh, it's just like, it's not that I want outside validation. I know some people that listen to this might groan and say, yeah, right. But like, I really just like when you, when you create something, you want to share it naturally. Right. And so last soapbox on this man with the hospital gown record, I'm not a Redditor. 
I don't read it. I don't go on Reddit. I don't know how it works. All I know is you're only legit if you have karma points, right? Otherwise, you're a noob and like, who are you? You might as well be Sony in disguise trying to post your wares on the site or whatever. However, I think, okay, this is a really wild album, this hospital gown. Um, I'm not sure where to start to let people know it even exists because I have that previous trauma of pouring my life into things that nobody ends up hearing. And so I I say, okay, well, what better place than to go to Reddit? Because Reddit is a community of like-minded people. Um, So I go to Reddit. I find a couple pages. Like one is like a PC music fan page. And one is like a screamo page. One's a hyper pop. You know, all this. I try to post on these threads. I get kicked back on almost all of them because it says you are either you've never posted before or you don't have enough points. So you can't do it here. But one of the threads let me through. It was the PC music thread. What a great thing. One of the options was even this post is PC music adjacent, which it is. I would never dream of this being on PC music. I don't think it necessarily sounds anything like a PC music project, but it's adjacent. Pedal supplies on the record, this and that. So I post in there and immediately get eaten alive. You know, by people saying, dude, like, just come clean and say, this is your music and you're trying to sell it or whatever. And, uh, and I was like, well, dude, like, I just was searching for a community of like-minded people because I don't know where else those people hang out. And guess what? You're in a room that's supposed to accept those kind of people. But the truth of the matter is, is that these Reddit pages are a bunch of people just affirming themselves in a closed feedback loop, masturbating all over each other. And they actually don't want anybody from the outside, even if it's completely relevant to share ideas, which is the ultimate irony off the soapbox. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely brutal. Like, uh, you know, with the amount of accessibility and the amount of things you could possibly consume, at once like it can just feel sometimes totally helpless and like you know you were talking before about lists i've written on brooklyn vegan just for a quick example just to share some you know related feelings on yeah this. yeah like, yeah uh you you know you spend hours on one of those you put your heart and soul into it and it's all just you being like this is some stuff i love that i hope i can share and then the first comment is always like i can't believe this thing isn't on it it's, ne- it's never about yeah. like, oh, it's so cool to see what is here. It's never about like, oh, it looks like there's a lot of writing. It's always like control find. Did they include my favorite band? No, they didn't. Worthless. You know, and that's it. Like, and- For sure. For sure. Dude. Oh, my gosh. Like uh, one more quick example is that with the sound of animals fighting. So we just announced... Um, you know, the new record ape shit and all that. But we also equal vision was kind enough to repress the first two albums. And every time we do that, I like to change the artwork. Some people myself included as a fan, maybe don't like it when you mess with the artwork. However, for a laundry list of reasons, I wanted to change it because typically with this band, we respect the artistic vision of our collaborators 
And so what's happened in the past is um, I've commissioned artists for the cover. So let's say Lover the Lord Has Left Us, the first version. Stephen O'Malley from Sun did the artwork for that record. Well, I love his work. And I love that cover as in the narrative of his work. I'm not sure I loved it for that album, but I wasn't going to send it back and be like, no, because the spirit of the project is accept the collaboration. And that's, that's part of the vision. Um, and so we do this and we release the artwork for the, for the re-releases. I'm super stoked on it. Cause it's the first time that like, I've actually executed what I want the aesthetic to look like on the covers. And one of the first posts is this, this kid from Hungary who's like, yet again, another awful, stupid, you know, blah, 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 artwork, easy pass, right? So I fired back because here's the thing, dude. Some people might think the internet's the wild west, but you can't, I'm of the belief that you can't always just say whatever the hell you want and not get it served back. So I, I served it back to him, you know, and, uh, I forget what my initial response was something like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll remember to consult you next time, you know, because, you know, I'm sure. sorry, we didn't get your approval. And then that got me crap from other fans saying, Hey man, that's not a good look. You shouldn't take it so personally. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe part of me was taking it personally. I'm going to be transparent. However, the reason I fired back is because like, why can you say that? And I can't fire back at you. You can say awful, stupid, easy pass about the artwork, but I can't say something snarky back. Like why, you know? And so then he fired back again. So then I just went to, on his page and trolled every post on his page. He had, he, he has nothing but uh, these album covers on the page. So I was like, Oh, there's one with trees. I can see it was just like the album art was just trees and like no disrespect to the band, but it's like, if he's going to set the bar of what makes an album cover great, why is he saying that ours is awful, but he's posting this like Pulitzer prize winning photo of trees on, you know, like, so anyway, sorry, man, this is like the, let's call this episode soapbox. You got it. Well, uh, um, can I can I uh, insert myself for a second and, and fanboy it. over the original "Lover the Lord Has Left Us"? Cover? Yes, yes. So I I actually uh, my personal story is, um, and this is that came out I think in 06. I was fifteen for sure. So it was like before like Wikipedia and Spotify was like your daily diet, right? <laughs> so like you, you didn't like immediately know everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was at FYE and I saw that yes. TV and I was just like, I have to listen to whatever that is. The art looks so cool. Oh, um, cool. So yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good. And you know, uh, FYE back then had these little things where you'd like scan the barcode and hear 30 seconds in your headphones of whatever so I oh, like, yeah. Listening so, stations. Yeah. For sure. So I scanned the CD and I'm like, is that Anthony Green singing? Because <laughs> like, I had no idea who the band was. And I That's knew Circus Survive. Yeah. And I was like, I got to buy this. And I you know, took it home, like showed friends. And uh, eventually, like, I think I had another friend who was like, oh, yeah, I, I know exactly who the Animals Fighting are. And they have another record, too. And it explained the whole thing to me. 
Um, that's cool. So like, if not for that artwork, we might not be having this conversation. Wow, that's wild. That's really cool to know. Um, man, yeah, listening stations. For a, a few years, I was the assistant music buyer at Hot Topic Incorporated when they had about like 667 stores. Uh, it was in the era still where there was music stations. And I remember um, getting the one sheet across my desk for a band called Panic at the Disco. And I was like, really cool name, but I don't, I don't know. I can't even remember if I listened to it or not. And I ordered 99 copies for the whole chain. And when they, uh, my friend Bonnie, who worked at crush management at the time saw the order come through and she was like, she called me up. She's like, dude, as a friend, I'm telling you right now, this band is going to be huge. The 99 copies, you got to do more than that. So anyway, fun story, but that, that is a fun story. Yeah. And, uh, and that was true. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's, that's crazy. So yeah, well then it worked. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean like when I, and that's, that album is wild by the way. Like I am very glad to see over the years, people have sort of come around to it. Cause when it first came out, it was very polar opposite of the previous release. It wasn't so much screamo. We were making songs with like kitchen utensils. And I think the last song is like 10 minutes of my dad freestyling melody with a book, like an autobiography of Stockhausen, the composer, just singing the words from the book. I gave him the book. I said, here, sing. And we just recorded it and had weird bongos in the background. And it's just like, um, I don't think that's the high point of the record, but to, to my point that the album's weird. And um, when when we first released it, I don't know if you heard this story about the first track, Skullflower, but like the original version, I sampled Neurosis, like a, a, a sound from their Sun That Never Sets album. And it was like less than like two bars of a sound. So I thought, through the rumor mill and urban legend that like, as long as your sample was like shorter than however many measures you could put, you could do it. Um, that didn't turn out to be the case. Cause when equal vision rolled that song out first, it was on MySpace. Um, we immediately got a cease and desist and equal vision had already pressed the CDs and to destroy thousands upon thousands of CDs and re-shrink wrap and everything. So uh, it's pretty wild time. Oh, man. Yeah. So Damn. don't just sample whatever you want. I was thinking, oh, man, like all the song titles on that album are like other band names or lyrics from other band songs. It was very much in the spirit of like found art and found poetry, just compiling all the things that inspire and creating that. But um you can't do that with the actual sounds. So on the sound of animals fighting note, like you said, yeah. there's a new EP ape shit on the way. I can't believe it's been 14 years since the last record. For sure. Has. Um, what got you finally writing a sound of animals fighting record again? Well, so we wanted, we wanted to do another tour. Um, you know, is one of those things where we're, we were coming out of the pandemic, not that we're out, but you know what I mean, whatever phase that was. Um, and it was, it wasn't like 
probably 95% of the other bands that are hitting the road. It wasn't like, oh, we need income or, oh, it's been you know too long. Let's go play. It was just like, it's about that time. We kind of tour every five years and then get the itch, you know? And so we toured in 2006, 14, 19, and now in 23. So we wanted to set up some dates and we're like, man, we can't do another round of dates without, you know, any new music. And so we set out to do a seven inch and what happened was we recorded two songs and then Anthony's schedule got insane. Right. So like, as you know, he's doing everything from, writing soundtracks for blues clues movies (laughs) to you know he's out on tour right now with ls dunes he was doing a solo tour you know just all of the things uh seosin when we were young you know that everything so so many things his own solo record coming out and so it was not easy to get him at a place where he was home with the creative capacity and space to, to look at this, even though we were all on board to do something. So that led to those two songs kind of sitting for a few more weeks to a month or two longer than we initially anticipated. And so it was one of those things where it's like, Hey, while we're waiting, you know, let's throw two more songs on and make this an EP. You know what I mean? (laughs) The tiger and the Duke is essentially an AP, AP EP anyway. Um, and so like, you know, it's on brand, let's do this. And the, there was a spontaneity and a return to form, uh, in terms of how we recorded it, passing the files back and forth and like this healthy pressure to do it by a certain time limit, because we had to get it done by this time in order to get it mastered and impressed if we were going to have it available for tour and all that revolved around whether or not Anthony was going to be home to record. And so the combination of pressure, spontaneity and all that really just produced what I feel like is our finest moment in terms of 15 years going by and then accurately portraying a balanced vision of all of the previous albums. So we've got, you know, the, the tinge of screamo and we've got the song that started with the drums and built upward. That's super intricate, like tiger, but we've got some weird stuff and like, um, some singing in other languages and different sounds at certain spots. We've got the song with the big chorus. And so it just some electronics, some, you know, so it, it feels like a nice little package that is representative of the band's history. If we never tour again, if we never release anything again, I'm happy to sort of like come full circle after coming out the gate with Tiger, getting really weird, reeling it back a little bit for Ocean in the Sun, but still being weird, uh, and then coming back with something that is like, hey, we're more mature now. We still have all these ideas, but they're like measured and executed as one would from experience. So in that way, I'm super stoked on it. And that, that was really how it came about. But really not since 
Tiger, had we really adhered to like hard line to the process that we set out to initially, which was take blank drum tracks, which are innately, inherently intricate because of all the movement and layer everything upwards from there. Never setting foot in the garage at the same time to write the songs, just being bound to whatever your collaborator ahead of you shared. So I'm stoked on how it turned out. And then Anthony with one day left before he had to leave for like the next three months for all his different tours, pulled out some of the best melodies, I think, ever for him. So super excited to share it with the world. And we're dropping Ape Shit, the single this week. So, yeah, I think my guess is this episode will be after the single's out. Sure, um, sure, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like everything you just said is like what I think of the EP. Um, sick, it's like, uh, it, yeah, it, it feels like it's, it's, it's got like the most screamy Tiger and the Duke style stuff since then. But like you sure. said, with everything else since too, like it's just this culmination. Like I mean, when this the title track "Ape Shit," like that's got to be like the most Tiger and the Duke song since Tiger and the Duke. Like hundred percent agree, hundred yeah. percent agree. Um, and what's interesting is, as much as we like all the material in between, because we do, and we love all the territory we explored, like we've always wanted to return to that and just never have. And so it feels good to return to that. And I think people will hear that. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds good and it's and like to, you know, to your point, like it's it doesn't sound like you're trying to make a record that you made in 2005. Like it sounds exactly. like who, who you are today, but stylistically returning to form. Um, and like you said, I mean, Anthony has been on fire lately. Like, yeah, yeah, I for mean, sure. And like his scream, like he hadn't screamed in a while. And like the yeah. LS Dunes record, he's screaming and this one yeah, is yeah. screaming. And yeah, um, he we spoke recently and he told me that there's a new Seosin and that it's like some of his heaviest stuff yet. So I haven't heard oh, a I don't doubt it, it. But yeah. Um, but it's just like it's it's and then on the other hand, he's like got his solo record, which is like a way different end of the spectrum. So it's wild yeah. I feel like that he is, you know, like he's like really hitting the, the ground running on like I'm gonna scream on records again, but also like not just that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's that whole iron sharpens iron, you know, like he's in He's in a groove right now that I hope he stays in for a while. It's probably exhausting to be in, but like because he's in it, it's just like producing great stuff. And I hope it doesn't stop. Sayosin, man, great. Like, so when I heard the first EP, that's really what just like, I mean, I immediately was like their PR agent that they didn't even know at the time because I was showing the whole world that EP. I was so excited about it. I was like, I have to work with this guy. And what's interesting about that band to me, why I'm bringing this up is that that first full length after the EP with Cove, the one with the spider on it or whatever, the beetle, whatever that bug is. Right, right. That's one of my favorite all time albums, not just like by them, but like ever. And like, I'm a huge, like, dissenter when it comes to changing singers like when motley Krug, you know came out with a record with a different dude like no way don't do it um but it's like that that ep changed my life it's which made what made me want to work with anthony then some of my favorite all-time songs ever are on that one with cove 
Then they come back. There was another album in there. I don't like it as much, but then they come back with Anthony and they, that first single, that silver string single or whatever. So good. And it's just like, that band is just a freaking tour de force for all those dudes. And that guy, Bo is, is a sonic genius. He's solid, man. Yeah, totally. Um, when it came, you know, to like working with someone like Anthony, and I know at the second record, I think you have um, uh, Craig Owens from Shioto. Is like you're kind of for sure working with these people in like this like warp tour emo pop punk yeah. post hardcore scene, making this like real trippy out there music. Like um, when you're like meeting these people, like how did it kind of come to the surface that we all connect on something like this? Because I would imagine they're probably people in like warp tour bands or whatever you want to call it like we'd be like yeah i don't really get down with anything like that you know yeah for sure i think that as i don't know it might sound cheesy or whatever or predictable but i really think it was it, especially during the time those albums were made you know 2006 ish um like it really was like a oh i'm free to just do whatever like that message was clear when the recording process started it was like hey here's the song if you have a vision for what goes on it like we support it if it feels like it is just completely off the reservation you know i'll let you know because that that feels like my role to just like make sure that as crazy as we push the boundaries, we still have like an umbrella above us. Um, so, but I've almost never had to like reel anything in uh, really because these guys are just, you know, on it and dedicated to their craft. But yeah, I think it was just the, you know, the fun and appeal of I can just do whatever. I'm not bound to fan expectations. So uh, the new EP and also the hospital gown record are coming out on born losers records. Uh, yes. T- tell me about this label. Great label, severely underrated, but I think their time is coming like any label, you know, run for cover and all those labels, they start for a long time. They're pushing out records. And then all of a sudden it's like, they've got this graduating class of, of classics, you know? And I think that born losers is a case of good people attract other good people. And those two dudes are the most genuine, caring, like fun dudes ever. Uh, it was, it's a really good experience working with them. They probably question, uh, getting involved with me. Cause I, I text them like probably a hundred times a day, all day and night. Um, but, uh, some of the some of the bands on there if anybody wants like an entry point to born losers it's like that band corinne their last record is so freaking sick like if you're into like any of the you know synth wave dark wave like just it's so good um and catherine moan and just like there's just a lot of really unique forward thinking artists on the label and uh even though they're all disparate in sound the label still has a cohesive brand and so i just think they have a good ear for interesting things um they're not in 
the business of that so many other labels have fallen into now where it's just like literally put out a hundred records in a year because all that matters is you get, you juice one weekend of Spotify streams out of the release and then you can move on because a constant stream burst on Spotify is like how you're bringing the income in. And then it just turns into a factory. Um, but those guys are very measured, very thoughtful and uh, just a lot to unpack there with that, that label. I think a lot of people would have a lot of fun looking into their artists. And so uh, highly recommend checking them out. I think their, their time is coming. The writing's on the wall, but like anything, we need allies in the press. I mean, do we, maybe all that matters is you're an ally, you know, is maybe Brooklyn vegan is all that matters. I need to just stop worrying about anybody else because y'all are supportive of all music and everyone else is just going to like choke on their elitism, you know? We've already seen that with some websites. Some of the ones that used to be king of the hill are like, uh, what's going on? Readership is down. Like everything's going down. But y'all are maintaining support for so many genres. You're going to have like a built-in audience no matter what you do. It's a tough time for music journalism. You know, I mean. Oh, bad. Um, like why? Uh, I think what a lot of people say is like one why do you need album reviews if mm -hmm. basically all music's free anyway? Like it used to be like, do I spend 1999 on this? And now that's not a factor. Great. Secondly, point. it's like, why do I need album reviews? If everybody with a Twitter account writes album reviews, you know, like hundred <laughs> percent. And man, just like to that point, like just the consumption and digestion, like the rate in which music's consumed, it blows my mind. Like, I, I use like my litmus test right now is like Beyonce, right? Like you can't get any bigger than Beyonce. Like she, I mean, maybe Taylor Swift, which by the way, did I get my pre-sale code in for my, my kids? I've been checking my email today, but um, anyway, like Beyonce, I think of her as like literally the queen. Right. And so like just this ginormous iconic artist right and you're looking forward to that great new album you're looking forward looking forward finally it drops the artwork is her looking strong on that horse and everything's good the production's great the songs are great a week later nobody's talking about it and i like like i i don't mean that literally like obviously it's going to be on year end lists obviously when she tours it's gonna sell out i'll probably be there it's a fantastic record but what i'm saying is and i i i think you understand where i'm going with it it's just like you know you hype 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 and then even the queen bee is like not immune to the attention span <laughs> you know what i mean it's just it's wild to me so it's like sure that album's gonna continue its its life but it's just it's it's a different vibe now i mean that that probably 10 years ago would still be what everybody's talking about but it's like we've already moved on it's like okay yeah i mean it really does feel like there's more than ever right at your fingertips and it's i mean like i personally am writing up something like 10 15 20 albums a week 
Uh, which is insane because and like, that's just you right that's just me as a one person and <laughs> yeah. like I, you know i think back to like when i was a teenager like i could spend a whole summer listening to two records yeah you know and like now if i'm listening to an album for more than the week it's out that's a big deal like and uh and for sure you know, like with it's we're having this conversation in mid-november so it's just about year endless time i'm starting to go through my list I kind of have a tentative personal top 50. I was looking at it last night and I'm like, this is such a small sample size of all the great records. Like, oh, yeah. 50 sounds so small. It used to, like, yeah. I, re I remember being like, there are 50 records this year. Like, I've only heard 10, you know, like, and, sure. and I, it feels like narrowing it down to 50 feels like doing a disservice. So I'm like, but there's so much. And for sure. Well, Rich, this has been a great chat. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? No, man, just that, I, you know, I appreciate you and your opportunity uh, here. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it, it really is cool to see such unpredictable journalism because everything else has just become ridiculously predictable. So keep up the good work with that. Well, thank you, Rich. And same to you. Cool, man. I hope we talk again soon. Yeah, this has been fun. All right. Talk to All you right. later. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Thanks again to Rich. The Sound of Animals Fighting's first EP in 14 years, Ape Shit, due December 8th via Born Losers Records. They're also touring next year, so go catch that if you can. Hospital Gown's debut album, Diamond Life 2, out now on Born Losers Records. Go check that out, too. It's very awesome. And hey, if you like what you heard, subscribe to The Brooklyn Vegan Show wherever you listen to podcasts. We've got a lot of cool new stuff coming up, more interviews with great artists, other interesting things. So yeah, stay tuned for our next episode and see you then. <laughs>